we know that the night in which the Lord's Supper was instituted, uh, Jesus and his disciples were celebrating Passover. And so this had been an annual celebration from the time they left Egypt. And on that night, they had done a few things. One, they had eaten that Passover lamb that had been sacrificed and the blood spread on the mantles of the homes. They had eaten in haste, and thus the unleavened bread that they partook of. And they also ate the lamb with bitter herbs, the bitterness of their experience in Egypt. And those things they continued doing for centuries. I mean, here we are 1,400 years later, and it was still being done, and this was what was being celebrated that night. So here in Luke 22, starting at verse 7, I'll read just briefly. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. And this is the Passover. This is from Exodus 12. I'll start reading at verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt." Now, leaven was not to be used, and it was a seven-day feast. They celebrated convocations on the first and the last day, and there wasn't even supposed to be leaven in their homes. I mean, it was just eradicated from their homes. So now, some say that the uh, bread that we use at the Lord's table ought be unleavened because of this, because of the fact that that night... Christ was celebrating Passover, and it would have been unleavened bread that they were eating and sharing that night. This is a note from the Schofield Reference Bible. It's an annotation concerning the text of Matthew 13, verse 33, and we'll actually read that in a bit. But right now, I'll just read Schofield's note. Leaven, as a symbolic or typical substance, is always mentioned in the Old Testament in an evil sense. So now this is just a Bible note, a footnote in a Bible. And so it has had, in our opinion, a lot of influence upon the modern church. And so there are many people that advocate for unleavened bread only at the Lord's table in obedience to such thinking. Now, this says leaven as a symbolic substance is always mentioned in the Old Testament in an evil sense. Oh, really? Let's read a couple instances where I would say that cast doubt on that statement. Leviticus chapter 7, starting at verse 11. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes as his offering... He shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. 
And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. So here, the priests are being commanded to use leaven in an offering. So I would say, no, that means it's not inherently evil. Why would God have them do something inherently evil as an aspect of worship? It's just ridiculous. Now, Leviticus 23, verse 15. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, to seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Last week's sermon is perfect for me to introduce this topic because we're talking about that initial offering that Phil mentioned last time, and then 50 days later at Pentecost, the, the initial, that first fruits offering. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. There shall be, they shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. Again, leaven is specifically instructed to be used in creating this bread that will be sacrificed to the Lord. So leaven was prohibited in Passover, yes, and in their homes for seven days. Yet it was prescribed in the peace offering and in the Feast of Weeks. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Let's read the verse in which Schofield's note condemns leaven because this is really interesting. This is in Matthew 13, verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. This is where Schofield chose to say leaven is evil. Where, and I know why. Because it's being presented in a very positive light here. There is a positive leaven Jesus is referring to. And so Schofield took that strong verse in speaking in support of leaven as denigrating it. So if he can defeat that one, then he can just defeat it all across the board. Now, I read to you at the start from Matthew 16, but we haven't commented on it yet. And let me read you a portion of that again. Matthew 16, verses 11 and 12. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? What is it that Jesus had said? What is it that he had said? Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He specifically warned them of leaven, bad leaven. And yet here at the end, when he's summarizing for them, he says, how is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay. So now, this is not a sermon. I know it seems that way at times with me on these communion meditations, but yet I have to be brief, so I can't be as comprehensive as I would like to be. But leaven is a symbol, absolutely. It is very symbolic in our text. But what is it symbolic of? It's not symbolic of the sin of man. It's symbolic of both good and bad doctrine and good and bad practice. And so when it was instituted in the Passover and you got rid of leaven from everywhere, what, what God was saying is you are in the midst of a pagan culture and I do not want that pagan culture influencing you at all once I have you depart from here. And so that was the leaven, the evil doctrine, the evil practices of the Egyptians. 
And so then that remained as a memorial for all those centuries that every year they would celebrate that without leaven. They were again returning to that where we must be pure. And that leaven was the bad doctrine, the bad religion of the Egyptians. Now I want to read to you, there's 15 pages in this book that Gary North has dedicated to leaven versus unleaven. And he, it's in the chapter 12 on continuity and revolution. I'm going to read to you from the process of maturation on page 165. Two brief paragraphs. I urge you to read this whole section. It's great. Leaven is not a symbol of sin. Leaven is a symbol of rising up the process of maturation. But there must first be a discontinuous act of implanting the original leaven. Adam yielding to Satan's temptation, brought forth the leaven of evil and implanted it into man's history. Christ, the second Adam, removes the old Adamic leaven, implants his new leaven, and creates a maturing kingdom which steadily replaces Satan's older leaven. Christ does not simply remove the old leaven. He is not content with unleavened bread, the symbol of deliverance. Christ produces the new leavened bread, the leavening process of victory. It is not enough to escape from Egypt. Canaan must be conquered. It is not enough to remain in a spiritually unleavened condition, the condition of not being leavened with evil. We must become fully leavened as God's individual saints and also as his gathered church. Where this leaven is absent, there is no life, no growth, no dominion. So leaven is not a symbol of sin. It's a symbol of doctrine and practice. It can reflect both bad practice and good practice. Jesus warned his disciples of leaven, of the Pharisees and Sadducees, explicitly educating us on the fact that this is not just tying it to bread. It is symbolic of us, what we practice, what we believe. Jesus described the growth of his kingdom using leaven in a very positive way that Schofield denounced. No, no, that's wrong. We want to value what Christ has elevated. We see the growth of the kingdom. We love it. We pray for it. And so now, let not us regard something as evil, just based on people's misperception of it, that God has intended for good. So there may be occasions when it can be appropriate to use unleavened bread in the Lord's table to be more explicit with what was going on that night at the Passover. But we don't need to, and I would recommend that we ought not. We want to use leaven to reflect the fact that God is building his kingdom, and we're a part of it. We're excited to be a part of it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word and for your truth, how you upend things. Uh, Jesus, his uh, crucifixion, his resurrection upended time, upended uh, all of the way this world was going, and we praise you for it. And we know that his kingdom has grown and will continue to grow and fill the earth. We give you thanks, Father, for this table that reflects back and yet reflects uh, very much forward. And we thank you that we're part of it. We ask you to have us be a part of that kingdom, have the leaven within us to grow and be uh, revealed in those whom we influence. In Christ's name, amen.